And we want to look at Ezra chapter number 7. When you've located the book of Ezra, if you could look at Ezra chapter number 7. And I want us to use this passage of Scripture tonight <clears throat> to give us another thought this evening. I know this morning we spent time on this as well. But I want to use this time to give us uh, another few moments to talk about revival. And uh, asking the Lord as He prepares our hearts, one of the ways that we prepare for revival is uh, to go to the Word of God and uh, talk about revival and preach about revival to prepare our hearts and get our hearts ready. It would be sad. It would be sad if we here at Victory Baptist Church <clears throat> were waiting to get ready for the revival when the evangelist comes. We don't want him to... Uh, to come and we're not prepared. We want to be prepared for revival. And so tonight, if the Lord would use Ezra chapter 7 to encourage you tonight, I trust that you'll uh, prepare in even perhaps a, a greater way uh, for revival and getting ready for uh, the evangelist coming and the Lord using this special uh, week and the opportunity the Lord gives us to have these services to encourage us. Ezra chapter 7. Now Ezra is a book. And by the way, eventually on Wednesday night we're going to get to this book, aren't we? Because we're journeying through the Old Testament. But Ezra is a book of return and revival. It's a book of return and revival. Because God's people had been in bondage in Babylon. And we know that as a result of their bondage, their temple had been destroyed. The walls of the city of Jerusalem had been torn down. But when we enter into the book of Ezra, we know that this is a book where the Bible talks about God's people being given permission to return to their land for the purpose of rebuilding the temple. Eventually, they're allowed to have a group come back and even repair the walls of the city. We know that that's done by the man named Nehemiah, who is God's leader, led that return. So Ezra is a book of revival, but it's a book also of return. In chapter 1 through chapter 6, those are the chapters we will not deal with this evening. We're going to go here to chapter 7. But in chapter 1 through chapter 6 of the book of, uh, of Ezra, we see the initial return to Babylon. So really there are two different uh, uh, phases of this return here that we see in the book of Ezra. The first phase of this return is in chapter 1 through chapter number 6. And this is a return to, uh, the, uh, the, the, to rebuild the temple and to rebuild, by the way, to build the altar as well. And this one is led by a man named Zerubbabel. And so we've heard his name connected with this return to, again, restore and rebuild and return. And so Zerubbabel leads that first phase of the return. And then beginning in chapter number 7, this man named Ezra comes on the scene and the Bible tells us that this man Ezra led the next phase of this return and he was the one who God used to lead the next phase of the return back to the people, back to their land to again return and to restore 
and to be able to see revival as well. Now, I want us to notice a few verses here in Ezra chapter number 7. We want us to, I want you to notice a few things that would be said of this man named Ezra. The Bible tells us that God's hand was on this man. As a matter of fact, let's read it several times right here in chapter number 7. Ezra chapter 7, would you look at verse number 6? This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests, now notice this, according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. So the Bible tells very clearly there that the hand of the Lord is upon the life of Ezra. He is in Babylon, but asking permission to be able to lead a second phase of the return so that they can go back to their land. He's given permission to do that, and he leads this second phase again, starting here in chapter number 7. Look down, if you would, at verse number 9. So Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 9. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, now watch this, according to the good hand of his God upon him. Now the Bible's told us in verse 6, the Bible's told us in verse number 9, that God's hand is upon this man. He is walking with the Lord. And as a, re a result of walking with the Lord, the Lord is leading him. The Lord is guiding him. The Lord has his hand upon this man. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 28. Uh, Ezra chapter 7, verse number 28, the last verse of the chapter. It says, And hath extended mercy unto me before the king. Now, remember, we dealt with that a little bit this morning, didn't we? Now, I know not everyone was in the service here this morning, but we dealt with God's mercy this morning, didn't we? We said that when we choose to repent, God responds to our repentance. By the way, that's one of the encouragements as we prepare for revival. If we're preparing for revival and we are willing to repent, God gives us promises all throughout His Word that He will respond to our repentance, and He responds in mercy, doesn't He? He withholds from us that which we really and truly deserve. And He gives us that spiritual life that we are asking Him for. So we repent, we ask God for repentance, and we ask God to give forgiveness and to give us revival. And God responds to that, doesn't He? And so that's exactly what we see here in the life of Ezra. God responds with mercy. And it says, And hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty princes, now watch this, the middle of the verse, and I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. And I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. So now Ezra is going to take a group with him to go to Jerusalem, again for the purpose of restoring and uh, reviving what has been torn down and what has been destroyed. Did you notice in verse number 28, God's hand in a mighty way is upon Ezra. And as a matter of fact, because God's hand is on him, did you notice what he says there in verse 28? 
I have been strengthened because of it. Now, I think that goes without saying, doesn't it? When God's hand's upon our life, we're going to find strength, aren't we? We're going to be strengthened when God's hand is upon our lives. Now, by way of application tonight, before we go any far, far, farther in the message, we talk about Ezra very clearly. We see that God's hand is upon his life. Do you desire God's hand to be upon your life? Are you asking him for that? God, place your hand upon my life so that I can be led and I can be guided and I can be directed with your wisdom, with your strength for my life and your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, lead me, guide me, allow your hand to be upon my life. Oh, I think it would change us. We get to the point where we pray that way and asking God to put his hand and his blessings upon our life. But we can go a step further with the life of Ezra. Not only do we very clearly see in chapter 7 that God's hand was upon his life, but we go a step further because the Bible tells us in chapter number 8, which by the way, we're going to come back to chapter 7. That's going to be our main text. But in chapter number 8, the Bible tells us that God's hand is upon the lives of those who Ezra has influenced. Now that's encouragement there that we can influence individuals through our lives, through our testimony, to the point where God's hand can be upon their life as well because of the influence that we have left in their life. Look at what it says in Ezra chapter 8. Look down, if you would, at verse number 18. It says these words, And by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding. Here now are the individuals that Ezra has influenced. They've been influenced by Ezra, and as a result of Ezra's influence, God's hand is now upon their lives. God's hand is now strengthening them. God's hand is now using them for His honor and His glory. Would you stay there in Ezra chapter 18, and would you look at verse number 22? It says, For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, the hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek Him, but His power and His wrath is against all them that forsake Him. Here now, those that have been influenced by Ezra making the statement again, God's hand is upon our lives. We're desiring to obey Him. We want to see His blessings. And as a result of that, His hand has been upon our lives. Now, here's the main thought in the message this evening, and I hope that this will really encourage you as we are getting ready for revival, I would encourage you tonight to consider, maybe perhaps even write down. Write down, consider, at least have them on your mind. As we look at Ezra, back to Ezra chapter 7, I want to give you four words tonight. And I hope these four words will encourage you as we approach our revival meeting that's coming up in two weeks and here's what I want us to use these four words to answer. This is the question I want this to answer tonight. How was Ezra used so mightily in the return and the revival of God's people? Now, we're not going to get to the passage of Scripture in Ezra where we really see the revival that takes place. We see some powerful prayer that takes place. And then God uses that prayer to really spark a revival. We're not really going to get to the details of that, but we know down the road in the book of Ezra, 
God gives a great revival. So what was it? How was Ezra used in such a mighty way in the return and the revival of God's people? We're going to draw these thoughts, these four words from Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 10. So let's concentrate upon that tonight now. Ezra chapter 7 and look with me if you would at verse number 10. And let's let God use these four words to speak to us tonight as we get ready for revival. Verse number 10, it says this. Let's look at just the first part of the verse. It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart. For Ezra had prepared his heart. Number one, I want you to write down the word or at least consider the word tonight. The word preparation. Preparation. Ezra had prepared, the Bible says, his heart. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to see something very unique about this. There's a word there in verse number 10, at the very start of that verse, that's in the past tense, meaning it's something he had already done. Notice what it says. He had prepared his heart. The preparation was already done. He had done that in the past tense. Let's not wait till the revival to prepare ourselves. We've got time to get ourselves prepared, to get ourselves ready. Two weeks now the Lord has given us, and time even before that, to get our hearts prepared and ready for revival. Consider with me tonight, as we think of this thought of preparation, the humility and the hunger that Ezra had for God. The humility and the hunger that Ezra had for God. He was asking God, prepare my heart. He had prepared his heart. He was ready for what God was going to use him to do. Why did God allow Ezra to return and see such a great revival? Because he was prepared. He had made preparation. He was ready for what God was going to use him to do. Now, I've already talked a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more about it tonight. I've already talked about ways that we can prepare, ways that we can get ready for revival. Number one, we need to pray. We need to be praying for revival. Now, I hope individually you're praying for revival. I hope that you will spend time this week, spend time next week, spend time with all of the days that are leading up to revival to be preparing through prayer. Pray as the psalmist prayed. Search me, O God. We'll talk about it in just a moment. I, I, I've got a sign up on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, on the sign as you're, as you're coming in. I hope you've seen it as you've been coming to services recently here. The thought, create in me a clean heart. We want God to prepare us to get us ready for this revival through prayer. That's why we're having our prayer meetings. That's why we're asking you to spend time on your own praying for revival. Spend time as families praying for revival. Let's make sure we're spending time as a church praying for revival. And so asking the Lord earnestly with prayer, Lord, prepare us. Get us ready for revival. Make sure my heart is prepared. Make sure my, uh, my, there's, things are out of my life that should not be there so I can prepare. So we prepare with prayer. We prepare by inviting people to come. We want the revival to be a blessing, right? This revival, we want to have opportunity to see souls saved. 
We want to have opportunity to see Christians restored to the fellowship that they need to have with the Lord. That their, their walk would be what it should be. Christians that are maybe at a, at, a, at a point of being backslidden, a point that they're away from the Lord. That God would restore Christians. We want God's people to be strengthened and encouraged and grow in the Lord as the result of the revival. Now that list that I just gave you includes everyone, doesn't it? It includes the lost. It includes those that are backslidden and perhaps away from the Lord. It includes those that are ready and prepared in their hearts for revival. It includes all of us. We're not going to invite a wrong person to the revival, are we? So let's make sure we are preparing by inviting. And then let's make sure we're preparing by making sure our schedule is cleared so that we can be here. Be at every single service. This has been on our calendar for a long time. We've made preparation that way. We've let you know about it. Make sure your calendar is cleared so you say every night the evangelist is here. Every service he's speaking. I'm going to make sure I am in my place. I'm where I need to be so I can allow the Holy Spirit to use it to encourage me. And then we prepare, as we talked about through prayer, we make preparation by making sure that our hearts are prepared. The Holy Spirit has us ready so that when He does begin to preach from the Word of God, we've got Bibles that are open, but we've got hearts that are open. And our hearts are clear of anything that stands in the way so that the Holy Spirit will not be hindered, so that He can speak to us and He can do a great and mighty work the week of the revival. So there needs to be heart preparation, doesn't there? We pray and we invite and we clear it on our calendar and we're going to be here for the services, but our heart needs to be prepared as well. So would you, with me tonight, along with me tonight, would you listen tonight to some questions that we would need to honestly answer in order to have our hearts prepared for revival? How do we have our hearts ready? How do we make sure that everything is cleared out of the way so that there's nothing that stands in the way so that God could really use this revival? I'm going to present quite a few questions to you tonight and I want you to evaluate these in your heart to prepare your heart for revival. Number one, have you forgiven everyone? Is there any unforgiveness that stands in the way right now? You know, the Bible talks about, very clearly, it talks about how that we ought to have a conscience that is clear before God and before men. Is there someone perhaps right now that you could say, I have ought with that person. And there's no way that God is going to give me the revival that I truly want Him to give me until I get to the place where I've made restitution, I've reconciled that, I've made it right. Would you consider that tonight as your heart is preparing for revival? Another question, do we have anger in our hearts or lives? Is there anger that shouldn't be there? If anger stands in the way, God's not going to be able to give us revival the way He truly wants to. Is, is there any anger that stands in the way? Is there uh, something that you would say, you know, as far as anger is concerned, I need to confess that. I need to get that right. I need to make sure that I'm dealing with that. The third thought tonight, do you have any feelings of jealousy? Is there any jealousy in your life? These are questions that help us to get our hearts prepared, our hearts ready. Are there jealous feelings? Are there jealous uh, thoughts in our heart tonight that would hinder revival? Another good question. Do you struggle with patience? Do you need to ask God, Lord, I need your help with that. 
If my heart is going to be prepared and my heart is going to be right, Lord, help me with that. Help me with that struggle that I have. Let me ask this question. Are you offended easily? Is there something in your heart right now you would say, somebody has offended me. And boy, I'm still holding on to that. I haven't dealt with it. I haven't gotten it right. I've been offended. Maybe it's something really tiny. Maybe it's something really small. But right now you're offended to a point where you'd say, God's not going to be able to use that revival and give me that spiritual life that he so desires to give me for revival until I get that dealt with, until I get that right. You know, the Bible says this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It really should be true as children of God that we can hear the preaching of God's word and it doesn't offend us. Now, it might get us to a place where we realize we got to get things dealt with. we got to get things right, but it shouldn't offend us. We shouldn't allow little things that people do around us to offend us and, and hinder us from really having the revival that God wants us to have. Here's another question. Do we have any pride in our hearts? Do we have any pride in our lives that would be standing in the way of God giving us revival? Another question have, are you living, have you been living an honest life? An honest life, a life of honesty, a life of integrity. Or has there been dishonesty in your life that you'd say, Lord, I need to deal with that. If I'm going to truly have revival in my life in order to prepare my heart and get it ready. I've got to deal with that dishonesty in my life. Another question, has, have you had moments of gossiping, talking uh, uh, in, in a slanderous way perhaps about somebody else and gossip that's off of your tongue and off of your lips in a way that stands in the way or again will hinder God from truly giving you revival. Another question, are, are, we, are, we, are we criticizing of others? Are we, are we quick to find fault or look for the flaws of other individuals? Are we critical people? Being critical certainly stands in the way, hinders the revival that God wants us to have. So God, you're going to search my heart. I want, to, I want to ask you to create a clean heart in me. Are you criticizing? Are you finding fault? Are you looking for the flaws of others? You know, I've said it so many times. It's so, it's, 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 it's humanly speaking, it's the way we are. But isn't it amazing how we can be so critical and we can find fault and we can see quickly the flaws in other individuals, but we are so slow to see ours. We're so slow to see our own flaws. We're so, so slow to see the faults that we have. Oh, I can find them in others, but I'm so slow to really see the flaws and faults that I have. Are we critical? Are we trying to find fault? Are we trying to find flaws in others? Then how about this one? Are we robbing God? Are we robbing God? Are things right between us and the Lord when it comes to our giving? when it comes to our time, when it comes to our service. You know, we can rob God through our giving, but we can also rob God through our time. We're selfish with our time, and we're not giving God any of it. We are robbing God of the time that we need to spend with Him. Are we robbing God when it comes to serving Him? Meaning simply this, He's placed something upon your heart that He wants you to do and you failed to do it. You are robbing God when it comes to what He wants you to do in the service of the Lord. Here's another question. Are we living in moments of unbelief? God doesn't want us to live in fear and unbelief. He wants us to put our full trust in the Lord. Are we trusting fully in Him? Here's a good question to prepare our hearts. Are we prayerless 
or are we spending time in prayer? Now, prayer is something God wants us to do, but if we fail to do it, we're sinning in failing to do what God desires to see His children do. Are you living a life of prayerlessness or are you spending time talking to the Lord? Here's another good one. Are we neglecting God's Word? Are you in God's Word faithfully and daily and regularly? Are you spending time in the Word of God? You say, you know, you've gone through this list of questions and we're not even quite done yet. You say, you've gone through these list of questions and there's some things really that are kind of hitting home a little bit. If I'm going to prepare my heart for revival, there's some things that I need to deal with. Consider this one. Are you burdened for the salvation of souls? Your heart is not prepared for revival if your heart does not have a burden for the lost and dying world. There are folks that are going to spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ. We need to get a burden about it. Do you have a burden for those that need to be saved for the salvation of the lost? Consider this question. Would the world be able to consider you on their side or would you be considered on the side of God? Whose side are you on tonight? It's almost like the picture of Moses when he... Uh, it really, in illustrative way, wrote, drew, a, drew a line in the sand and he made that question. He, he stated that question to the children of Israel. Who is on the Lord's side? Would you be accused of being on the Lord's side? Or would you be accused of being on the world's side? Can't have it both ways, can we? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We either choose the world or we choose the Lord. What side are we on tonight? Here's another good question. Are you worried? Worry is a sin. Sometimes we don't want to look at it that way, but worry is a sin. You know, the Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto Him. He doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to be worried about things. Are you worried or are you trusting God the right way? Here's another good one. Are we living in purity? Are we living in purity? Are we living in purity physically? Are we making sure we're careful because this, this body that we have is to be used, the members of this body is to be, are to be used as instruments of righteousness unto God, not instruments of, uh, of unrighteousness unto sin, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 13. We're to yield the members of this body to be instruments of righteousness unto God. Are we living in purity, uh, physically speaking? Are we living in purity, spiritually speaking? So can I encourage you by way of preparation for revival? Can you ask God to search you? What a way to prepare. As the psalmist said, search me, O God. As the book of Chronicles says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God, you've searched my heart. I've, I, I've noticed some things in my life that should not be in there. And I've, I, I want to prepare. I want to have my heart ready. So Lord, I'm asking you to search my heart. Prepare me. Get me ready. There's a hymn that is in our hymnal and I'm not going to take the time to read through the verses of it. But many of you know the words to it. And it's really a powerful hymn of revival. And the song says, Nothing between my soul and the Savior. 
Now tonight, I would be able to truly say from the Word of God that if there is something between myself and the Savior, then I need God to help me and to give me spiritual life, to give me revival. If there is something between you and the Savior, we need God's help, don't we? We need Him to help us, to give us the spiritual life and the revival He wants you to have. Can I ask you tonight to evaluate your heart? Is there anything, anything at all, what you might consider the smallest thing to the largest thing, what you might consider in that list of questions that I just gave, one of the most important questions you could answer to what might be a minimal question. But you'd say, is there anything between my soul and the Savior? If we're preparing for revival, there can be nothing between. So number one, the word preparation. But when we look back at Ezra chapter 7, and I want us to notice the, ne the next word, look down if you would at verse 10 again. It says, for Ezra had prepared his heart, number one, preparation. Number two, to seek the law of the Lord. Word number two tonight, saturation. Number one, preparation. Number two, saturation. As we prepare for revival, and as we are getting our hearts ready for revival, may God use His Word. May we be saturated in the Word of God so that we are ready for this revival that God wants to give us. Now you think of the power of this book that we hold in our hands tonight, that's on your lap tonight, that I've got in front of me on the pulpit tonight. God uses His Word as a revelation of himself to man. Aren't you thankful that God has revealed himself to us through his word? Now there may be a crowd of folks out there tonight that would say, well, how do you truly know this is the word of God? We believe it by faith, don't we? We know that God has given us every word in this book, perfect and accurate and holy so that He could reveal Himself to us and we get to know Him better by seeking Him in His Word. As you are getting ready for revival, would you saturate yourself in this book? Would you make sure that the weeks that are leading up to this, you are spending time in this Word of God, getting yourself prepared? Look with me, if you would, back up to verse number 6. There's something that's said about Ezra here. It says, this Ezra went up from Babylon and he was a, look at the next two words, he was a ready scribe. And then notice what it says, in the law of Moses. Now when it says he was a ready scribe, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says in verse number 10 that he is seeking the law of the Lord. What does it mean? Ezra's a man that seeks the law of the Lord. He's a man who's considered a ready scribe. It has the idea of the fact that Ezra was a student of the Bible. Are you a student of the Bible? Are you saturating yourself in the Word of God? Are you studying it? Are you allowing the Word of God to transform your life? Are you allowing the Word of God to prepare your heart for revival as you're getting in the Word of God on a daily basis? Now, one of the most needed things 
that we could say would be true in preparation for revival, of course, is prayer. We've talked about it a lot. We've said that prayer is so crucial. It's so important. It's one of the most needed things when it comes to preparation and getting ready for revival. Well, here's what's important about connecting those two things. I, I want to I bathe this revival in prayer. I want to ask the Lord, Lord, give me a revival. I want to pray and earnestly seek God's face. But at the same time, I want to saturate myself in the word of God. And what happens when we put those two things together? God's word has a way of transforming your prayer life. You saturate yourself in the word of God and it will transform your prayer life. Let me give you a few illustrations or a few ideas of what I mean by that. Number one, the Word of God inspires you to pray. You think about all the times we are encouraged in the Word of God to pray. When you read through the Word of God, it will inspire you. It will encourage you to spend time praying. But then here's another thing about the Word of God. We're going to saturate ourselves in the Word of God. It's going to transform our prayer life. Number two, the Word of God instructs you how to pray. It tells us how to pray. We talked about it this morning, didn't we? We talked about praying in accordance to the will of God. I truly believe that revival is God's will for the lives of Christians. We're going to pray in accordance to God's will. God, I want you to give me revival. That's your will for me. This is what you want me to have. So God's word transforms our prayer life because it instructs us how to pray. But then consider this if you would. God's word transforms our prayer life because it answers the questions many times for which we are praying. Have you ever found in your life times in which you are asking God something specific in your prayer time to Him, and then you find a little bit later on as you're reading the Word of God that it answers the questions that you are asking God for from the time that you are spending with Him in prayer. Lord, I get the answer from the question I've been praying to you about because I've been spending time reading the Lord. I've been asking the Lord about something that He has already revealed to me in His Word. And isn't it amazing how He helps our prayer life that way? Then think about this, reading, saturating ourselves in the Word of God transforms our prayer life because it gives us faith to pray in a greater way. We read the Word of God and all throughout the Word of God, the Bible talks about having faith. We're saved by faith, we're to live by faith, right? And as the Word of God teaches us about faith, it helps me in my prayer time to give me greater faith to pray in even a greater way. I can lay hold on the promises that God gives me in the Word of God and trust Him by faith as I'm praying, as I'm talking to Him. And then God wor God's Word transforms our prayer life because it will also keep us from asking God for some things that He doesn't want us to have. I think we would all agree with that, that there are some things that God doesn't want us to have. There are reasons why God says to us sometimes, no. I like that little children's song. Sometimes God answers no when I pray just because He loves me so. God says no sometimes because He loves me. And He loves me too much to let me uh, perhaps have something that I would want or something that I would desire for my life. 
The Word of God transforms our prayer life because it keeps us from asking for some things that God doesn't want us to have. How are we going to get ready for revival? Preparation. Making sure our heart's prepared. Making sure we're preparing for when the evangelist comes. Number two, saturation. Would you look back at verse number 10 with me in Ezra chapter number 7? I want you to notice the next thing. So we're going to prepare our hearts. We're going to saturate ourselves in the Word of God, which, by the way, is going to transform our prayer lives and help us as we're getting ready for revival. But then number three, would you look back at verse number 10? For Ezra had prepared his heart, preparation, to seek the law of the Lord, saturation. Now look at number three, and to do it. Number three, application. Application. Number one, preparation. We've got to get ourselves ready, prepared hearts. Number two, saturate ourselves in the word of God. Number three, application. See, Ezra was not a man who read the word of God and studied it and did not act upon it. He put it into practice, didn't he? So I'm going to saturate myself in the word of God and then I'm going to apply it. You know, if you're preparing your heart for revival and we're hearing messages about revival and then even when the evangelist comes and we hear and we listen, but yet we don't, we fail to act upon it, it will do us no good. There has to be application. When we heard the message this morning about revival, we'll hear a message this evening about revival. We have to put it into practice. We have to make application of what we have heard. We can go from this place and leave the same way we came in if we're not applying what we hear. So let's not just have ears to hear, but not a heart to go do what God has for us to do. James chapter 1, that's the familiar passage that talks about that. I'm going to take time to read those verses real quickly. In James chapter 1 and verse number 22, the Bible says this, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. So a man looks at his face in the glass, in the mirror. By the way, the Bible is a mirror, isn't it? The Bible helps us to see what we really look like, what we really are. It helps us to see that, doesn't it? So he said, it's like the natural man looking at his face in a glass or in a mirror. And notice what it says in verse number 24. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now see, we don't get up in the morning and look in the mirror and see all the flaw and problem areas and just walk away and dismiss it and do nothing about it. We, we work on it, don't we? You know, we get, our, we get our hair in a place where it's presentable. It doesn't take me long. And, and we get our, you know, our face in a place where it's presentable. We get our, our clothes on, maybe looking in the mirror, making sure the tie's straight. Making sure that we've got, we've got on what's right as we're going to go out and we're going to present ourselves before others. We're not sloppy about that. We don't look in the mirror and just dismiss it. We do something about it, don't we? And that's what God says. God says, hey, don't, let, don't listen to the preaching and then walk away and do nothing about it. By the way, that applies to the preacher as well, right? Don't just hear it. Don't just study the Word of God and do nothing about it. You've got to put it into practice. You've got to make application of it. The Bible says that Ezra was ready. He was prepared to do it. I'm not just hearing it. I'm not just saturating myself in it. I'm not just a student of the Bible but I want to go out and, and put it into practice, make it as a daily part of my life as well. 
Look at verse 25. If, if you're not there, I'll read it. Verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. That's the Bible, isn't it? If you look into the perfect law of liberty, and notice what it says, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We look into the mirror of God's word and we change the problems, don't we? We make application, don't we? We fix the problems. Now, you don't look in the mirror when you're getting ready to present yourself before others. You don't look in the mirror and, and, and break the mirror. It's not the mirror's fault, right? The mirror is just showing us or giving us a reflection of what we need to fix, what we need to work on. It's not about finding fault with the Bible. We don't change the Bible and what it says. We change ourselves, don't we? We change the problem. And so yes, when the Bible does speak to our hearts, we need to put it into practice. We need to do what God tells us to do. Don't change the problem. Don't break the mirror. Or excuse me, don't change the Bible. Don't break the mirror, but change the problem. Fix the problem. And Ezra said, I want to put into practice. I want there to be application to what God has spoken to me about. Are you preparing for revival by not just asking God to do things for you and saturating yourself in the Word of God and preparing your heart, but actually making application of all of that. I want you to notice the last word, and I'll be finished tonight. Verse number 10 again in Ezra chapter 7, and notice the last word tonight. He says this, For Ezra had prepared his heart, preparation, to seek the law of the Lord, saturation, and to do it, application, and to teach in Israel statues and judgments. The last word is this, instruction. The word instruction. Now, how did God allow Ezra to return and to see such a great revival? Well, he was prepared. He had saturated himself in the word of God. He had made application of what he had heard. And now he's prepared to instruct others to do the same. Isn't it great that we can have the joy in our heart of knowing that when our heart is transformed, when our heart is prepared, when our heart is ready, when it is what it should be, we can desire to let others know the truth of God's word as well and instruct others in it as well. God had prepared Ezra. He had gotten him ready. And now God was going to use him to gather this group in this second phase of returning to Jerusalem to go back and to instruct them in what God would have for them to do. Hey, we're preparing our hearts. We're getting our hearts ready. And can I say this? When, when it comes to this thought of instruction and, and, and Ezra instructing the, the, the people of Israel in, in God's statues and in God's judgments, I think that all of us would agree with this statement that I'm about ready to make. The easy part is for a preacher or for a Sunday school teacher or for an instructor in some way to get up and to tell others what they should do. The difficult part, the challenging part, is to apply in our lives what we should be doing. So many times children hear the words, well, don't do what I do 
just do what I say. But Ezra had been prepared to now not only instruct the people that God had given him to instruct, but he had already applied it to his heart so that he was ready to be an instructor. Uh, Brother Kurt Copeland, who was here for our, our youth conference a couple months back, we had, a, we had the wonderful privilege of hearing him uh, at, um, at the uh, youth conference over in Oakland uh, just, uh, I guess, about a month ago now. And he used an illustration with the young people. He, he said that his, his dad was just a constant smoker. He said he would finish the one cigarette, and as he was finishing it, he would use the cigarette that he was about ready to put out to light the next one. Just one right after the other. And he says, I don't know how many times, he said, I can remember, and I might not tell the story exactly how he told it, but he said, I don't know how many times I can remember my dad looking at us boys and saying, now don't you ever smoke these things. These are bad for you. Don't do what I do, just do what I say, right? But Ezra wasn't ready to instruct. The easy part is getting up and telling everybody what they should do. But God wants us to apply it to our lives, doesn't he? So that we are ready to instruct. And notice one last time at the end of verse number 10, it says this, that he was going to teach in Israel statues and judgments. Now, who do those statues and judgments come from? They come from God, don't they? So I'm going to pass on to somebody else the instruction that God has given to me. So only as I obey the word of God, and by the way, this is the same thing that Ezra would be saying, only as I obey the word of God and apply it to my life can I then teach others what God desires and to be able to teach to others what God demands, what His commands are, what the duties, what, what are the duties that He gives to those who are His children. Now, the thought of preparation, the thought of saturation, the thought of application, and then the thought of getting ourselves to a point where we are so prepared for revival. We're so filled with the Holy Spirit of God, so controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, that we are even able to instruct and teach and be a blessing to others that are around us. Now, can you imagine picturing in your mind the evangelist coming in two weeks and having the people of God already prepared, already ready, already excited with joy in their hearts, looking forward to anticipating what God's going to do, not waiting till the first time he gets up to preach, but already ready. And then when we hear those messages that God has laid on his heart to surrender and to submit even more to the Lord. So let's get ourselves ready for revival. Tonight it might be for someone to just say, I need to prepare my heart. Maybe perhaps there's something that I worded in those thoughts that I gave tonight. You'd say, hey, those are some things that God's pricked my heart about. Some things that I need to make sure I get right as I prepare my heart. And then to get to a place where as I'm preparing for revival that I saturate myself in the Word of God. I'm reading the Word of God to get me ready and then I make application of it so that God can then use me to be a blessing to others that He's put in my life and that I'm going to try to encourage with this thing of revival. May this revival not be, I said it this morning, but I really want us to make application of it. May, not, may it not be something that is just on the pastor's heart or just on the heart of just a few folks sprinkled throughout our church. Just something that's on the calendar. Just something that we're saying, well, we're doing it because it's our church's anniversary. No, we really want God to use this in a great and a mighty way. 
And we want him to use it as we are prepared and as we are ready. Father, I pray that during this time of invitation, that perhaps maybe this could even be